Do secular researchers use facts while Christians simply have faith? Get ready to learn powerful concepts that you can share with others right now on Wonders Without Number. Everybody starts somewhere, and those who start with man as the authority will always come away being skeptical of anything that supports a scriptural position. But that's one of the topics my guest is here to tackle. Jay Sigert has his bachelor's degree in physics from the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. He's the director of the Starting Point Project, and he's been speaking on apologetics for over 30 years now. Jay lives in Wisconsin, and he has a great passion for helping Christians strengthen their faith. So, if you would, please join with me as we welcome Jay Sigert. Welcome to the program. Honor to be here. It is great to have you here. Uh, you flew in last night from Wisconsin. Yes. Had just a little bit of trouble on the uh, airlines. <laughs> but I made it. <laughs> that's all that that's, counts. That's not unusual, but you made it. Uh, tell me about the Starting Point Project. Sure. We're all about Christian worldview, helping Christians better understand and better defend the Christian worldview, and along the way giving a very gracious challenge to the sincere skeptic. And we talk about starting points. Everyone starts somewhere with their belief system, and we believe that God exists in the Bible, it's His Word, and that's what we're going to be talking about in today's show. Okay, excellent. Well, you've got a lot to cover, so I'm going to let you jump right in. Sure. Uh, general premise of this talk is that we are living in a world that pitches facts versus mm -hmm. faith, that the skeptic's all about facts and proven things, and Christians, we just have faith, which is nothing more than wishful thinking and prayer and puppy dogs and rainbows and things like that. Uh -huh. And it intimidates a lot of Christians into not sharing because I think, well, they do have science and facts and all that. And Christianity is it just a faith and you just, you just got to believe it. Right. And so that's what gets a lot of people to not really want to talk about their belief system. Okay. Or look very quickly at some quotes about faith, what skeptics think about faith. Mm -hmm. Faith is not a virtue. It's gullibility, dishonesty, blindness, absence of reason. It should not be respected. It should be detested. Hmm. If Sam Harris, one of the world's leading atheists today, he said this, it's time that we admitted that faith is nothing more than the license religious people give to one another to keep believing when reason fails. Uh -huh. and we have Christopher Hitchens, another yes. atheist. He died, I think, just a few years ago. He said, it's called faith because it's not knowledge. These guys hmm. are not impressed at all the idea of faith and our friend again Richard Dawkins. I, I kind of like Richard. He's, he's honest about what he thinks. There's one thing he happened to say. Faith is a great cop-out, the great excuse to evade the need to think and evaluate evidence. Faith is a belief and in spite of even because of the lack of evidence. Again, these guys are just not impressed with the idea of faith. Okay. Even Mark Twain said, faith is believing what you know ain't so. Uh. <laughs> we know it's not true, but we're just going to believe it anyway. That's what faith is all about. Uh -huh. Unfortunately, this idea has crept even into churches, this okay. concept. Here's a sign outside one church. Mm -hmm. said, reason is the greatest enemy that faith has. Oh, no. I think that's a terrible message to be portraying to people arriving by the church. Exactly. Uh, Isaiah says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. God wants us to use the minds that we have. We don't just Absolutely. bury our heads in the sand. Here's one other sign that if your faith is big enough, facts don't count. <laughs> so don't worry about those pesky facts and all that. If your faith is strong enough, you don't have to worry about okay. science and all that. But um, that's not really a good way of putting it. Not at all. But again, that's sometimes the mindset of even Christians yes. thinking about this idea. So we're going to look at defending our faith. And there's two major elements to the Christian faith. Number one, that God exists. Number two, that you're not him. <laughs> okay. Um, it's not the second one. The second one is that the Bible <laughs> is the inspired word of God. Two major things. If we could prove uh -huh. these two things, mm -hmm. we'd be done. 
Okay. We wouldn't have to prove the creation account because if God exists and the Bible is his word, it says that he created everything, we wouldn't need to prove it. Yes. We wouldn't need to prove the flood because the Bible says there was a flood. Right. Resurrection of Jesus, the Bible says all these things. But there's a problem with this approach. Mm -hmm. Number one, we're not supposed to prove that God exists and we can't prove that the Bible is the inspired word of God. Now at this point, people get a little nervous thinking, who in the world is this guy? Uh, right. But if you hang in there a little bit, we're going to unpack this and you're going to see that this is actually very biblical and it's actually going to be the very thing that helps us share our faith with the skeptics. Okay. Now, when we think about the existence of God, probably the first thing that comes to mind is a coil of rope, right? <laughs> no, maybe, no, maybe, no, maybe, really. maybe it was just me. Uh -huh. Here's the point. Let's say you went to the hardware store and you say, I'd like one meter of rope. Okay. Guy goes over to the coil, cuts off a piece, hands it to you. Mm -hmm. Then you ask him, how do I know this is a meter? says, good question. He says, I know it's a meter because I use a tape measure. Okay. He's appealing to a higher authority, not just his opinion. He uses a tape measure. Okay. Then you ask him, how do we know the tape measure is accurate? Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. says, well, uh, because I, they make it in the manufacturing plant and they do it just right here. Uh -huh. He's appealing to an even higher authority. Okay. And you ask, how do we know they're doing it right there? In the manufacturing plant. He says, because I, they're using the standards that were established at the General Council of Weights and Measures in 1983. They determine a meter is going to be the distance light travels in a vacuum in one three hundred millionth of a second. <laughs> okay. This is actually the ultimate authority for determining the length of a meter. Hmm. That's the buck stops there. Okay. You can see the simple progression. We just kept appealing to a higher authority until right. you get to the end of the line. We understand that. Okay. How does that help us in defending our faith? Well, think of it this way. If the Bible truly is the inspired word of God, mm -hmm then it must be the ultimate authority for us. Mm -hmm. But if it's the ultimate authority, there's no way to prove it because you can't appeal to something even higher exactly. to check it out. That's it's not it. Like the, yeah, it's not like there's a mega God out there over our God, uh -huh. and the mega God says, yeah, the book you're looking at, that was uh, authored by the subservient God that you guys worship. <laughs> doesn't work that way. Right. So we don't go about proving that the Bible is from God it is our starting, starting point. point. That's why we're the starting point project. Yes. It's all about starting points. Again, at this point, the audience says, okay, I, I kind of get the logic there, but what do I do with this? Okay. Okay, that's where we'll go. Again, the problem, facts versus faith. Mm -hmm. Everybody starts somewhere with their beliefs. We call it our starting point, uh -huh. our bias, presuppositions, our beginning assumptions. You, okay. you can't not start somewhere. The skeptic wants you to think that their starting point, their foundation for everything, facts. Okay. So you just ask them a question. What do you mean by facts? Mm -hmm. They say, well, you know, uh, science, you've yeah. proven things. Okay. Ask another question. What do you mean by science? Science is really just the thoughts and opinions of other men and women, most of which he's probably never even met. Right. How do you know you can trust the thoughts and opinions of other men and women? They'd say, well, I. I, I just think through it. I can tell that they're right. Yeah. Okay. So now you're using your reason <laughs> to tell me why you can trust thoughts and opinions of other men and women. Uh -huh. How do you know you can trust your reasoning? Say, well, I, I know I can trust it because it's, it's worked for me throughout my life. It's been consistent. Okay. So now you're using your reason to tell me why you can trust your reasoning, <laughs> which is circular, circular reasoning. reasoning. And at that point, I would say, you know what? That's okay. Yeah. Everybody's got to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. I just want you to realize you're not so much about facts. You assume you can trust your reasoning, but you can't actually prove that. Mm -hmm. But that's okay. You've got to start somewhere. Okay. Then we ask, what about the Christian? What is our starting point? Mm -hmm. Well, we've already mentioned that. We believe that God exists in the Bible's His Word. Mm -hmm. And then the skeptic says, you can't prove that. I say, I, I'm not trying to prove it. Uh -huh. I've got to start somewhere. 
you got to start somewhere. I didn't argue with you. Yes. I get to somewhere, start somewhere too. I believe that God exists and the Bible is his word. And then we use that to define everything else, what science and logic are. History, ethics, morality, philosophy. Mm -hmm. All those things are defined by our starting point. Okay. Well, when we talk about a typical defense of the Christian worldview, we talk about the complexities of DNA, evidence yeah. for the resurrection, Bible manuscripts, Greek and Hebrew. Mm -hmm. I've lectured on those things for many, many years. You've talked about things like that. But here's a problem. We don't want to use evidence as proof. Uh -huh. Because evidence actually doesn't prove anything. Scientists don't prove things with evidence. They just come up with ideas. If they gather a lot of strong evidence, they say this is virtually certain to be true, but we don't know absolutely for certain because we might discover something new later. Mm -hmm. So we don't use evidence as proof. Well, then what good is evidence? At this point, people get depressed and say, I learned all these facts, and now right. you're telling me I can't do anything with them. No, there's a good place for evidence. Mm -hmm. What we do with evidence is we use it to test these worldviews. Our starting points. Our starting points. Okay. So we take them out for a test drive. We're mm -hmm. not trying to prove or disprove anything at this point. Mm -hmm. Just saying how well do they work when you look at the real world around us. We're going to look very quickly at two philosophical examples. Sure. And two scientific examples. Again, just taking them out for a test drive. Okay. We'll look at an atheistic worldview and a Christian worldview. Philosophically, we're going to talk about logic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we're just using this concept. Mm -hmm to evaluate these starting points. Okay. So you can ask the skeptic here, let's say again we're dealing with an atheist, do you believe that logic exists? Mm -hmm. Probably gonna look at you and say, what are you, crazy? If, of course I believe in logic, why, why sure. would you ask that? Just checking. Do you believe there are laws of logic? Mm -hmm. Like the law of non-contradiction, I can't both be sitting here talking to you right now and not mm -hmm. sitting here talking to you right now. And they say, yeah, that, I believe there are sure. laws of logic. Yeah. And I would ask, are these laws physical things? Can I take them to a laboratory and weigh them and paint them and bend them? And they have to say no. They'd say no, they're, they're not physical things, they're, they're non-physical things. Okay. Okay. Are they the same everywhere? Mm -hmm. Are they the same here in Tennessee as they are in Wisconsin, <laughs> as they are on the moon, or are they different in different places? Mm -hmm. Say, well, no, they're, they're not different, they're the same everywhere. Exactly. Okay. One other question, do they change? Are they the same today as they were two years ago? Will they be the same in a million years from now or do they change over time? They say, well, no, they, they don't change. Right. They stay the same. Say, so, okay, so let me get this. So you believe there are laws of logic that are immaterial, they're non-physical, mm -hmm. they're universal, meaning the same everywhere, and they're unchanging. They don't, they don't change. Oh, say, okay. Yes, that's what I believe. And uh -huh. I say, okay, one other question for you then. Uh -huh. Where did they come from? Uh-huh. Given your worldview, there is no God, everything's just matter and energy, help me understand where do these non-physical things come from? Mm -hmm. well, we've never really seen physical things, particle smashing together, creating non-physical things, mm -hmm. but you believe that these non-physical things exist. And in an orderly fashion. Yes, and then also using your worldview, the starting point that you chose, mm -hmm. what is it in your worldview, your starting point, that tells you you know that they're the same everywhere? Okay. And then also help me understand using your worldview, your starting point, okay. help me understand how do you know that they never change? What is it in your worldview that tells you that? There is nothing in an atheistic worldview that can account for non-physical laws of logic, why they're the same everywhere and why they don't change. Hmm. But the atheist wants to use logic, they expect you to be logical, but right. their own worldview can't even account for it. So then we switch over. Okay. What does a Christian do with all of this? Exactly. Let's look at it from this This is where it's cool. It's so straightforward. Christians believe that there is a God who is immaterial, universal, and unchanging. Hmm. That God created a universe that operates under the laws of logic that reflect his character. Okay. Makes 
perfect sense in a Christian worldview, but it's totally antithetical to an atheistic worldview. Mm -hmm. So did we just disprove their worldview? No, we're not no. trying to. Right. We're just saying it's not looking too good so far. Uh -huh. And if you can't even account for the laws of logic, you're kind of <laughs> done because you need to use logic to talk about anything else. And to interpret everything else. You see, uh, NASA sends space probes out to different planets. They collect data from these probes and they collect it all and then they start analyzing this data. They've got the data, but there are interpretations of the data. You can look at this data and you can interpret it using a different worldview or you can in interpret it using a starting from a Big Bang 14 billion years ago. You can interpret it starting from a creator and you can test this out. This is something that can be tested, and you can say, what, what makes the most sense? But again, it's all using your own reasoning, starting with a starting point yeah. or a worldview. Problem is the data. The problem is the starting point we've chosen to use to interpret these things. Mm -hmm. So we're going to look very quickly here at a second philosophical test. Okay. The idea of knowledge and certainty, this gets kind of fun. You're listening to Wonders Without Number with David Reeves. The message presented today was filmed in studio at David Reeves Ministries Wonders of Creation Center and is available in video format with powerful accompanying visuals. Subscribe to our Genesis Plus package online to get instant access to the video format of this message and hundreds of others right on your computer or mobile device. If you are encouraged by this message and would like to be a part of sharing this information with millions across the globe, we would love to hear from you. Give us a call at 931-212-7990 or write us at David Reeves Ministries, Post Office Box 2824, Lewisburg, Tennessee, 37091. Visit our website, davidreeves.com today. That's davidreeves.com. And now, back to Wonders Without Number with David Reeves. That you can ask the atheist, is there anything you know for sure? There's no way you could be wrong. You might say, well, I, I know I'm here right now. And yeah. I would ask, how do you know you're here right now? I'm talking to you. Mm -hmm. How do you know you're not just dreaming that you're talking to me? Because you're talking back to me. How do you know you're not just dreaming that I'm talking back to you? Because I can pinch myself, I can feel it. How do you know you didn't just dream that you pinch yourself? <laughs> Technically, mm -hmm. we can't actually prove that we're here. Now there's so much overwhelming evidence that we're, we really are here. Yeah. We don't question that, but we can't technically prove it. Okay. And if I told you that my next door neighbor's oldest son was 23 years old, but I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. Do I really, really know he's 23 if I'm admitting I could be wrong? Right. I don't know for sure. With that in mind, you can ask a skeptic out of all the knowledge there is to know, mm -hmm. what percentage do you think you know? <laughs> you probably say pretty small, and it's, yeah, me too. Yeah. For argument's sake, let's say they say they know 1% of everything out there. Okay, and that would be someone very brilliant. Yeah, very, very brilliant. <laughs> then I would ask, is it possible? Is it just possible that something in the 99% that you don't know would reveal that what you thought you knew in the 1% was actually inaccurate? Is it possible? Oh. They'd have to say, well, yeah, it's possible. Yeah. If it's possible you're wrong about the 1%, do you really know the 1%? They'd have to say no. In fact, you can't know anything for sure. Uh -huh. And then they'd say, well, you can't either. And I'd say, are you sure about that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it sounds kind of childish, but we're just playing this out. In exactly. Our now, there is one way you could know something for sure. Okay. And that is if you knew 100% of everything. Uh, that doesn't look too good for no, us. No, it's we not, don't know that. not really going to happen. There's one other way. Okay. 
Okay. That is, if you knew somebody who knew everything, and that person chose to tell you some of that in a way you could understand and did not lie about uh -huh. it, that is the Christian worldview. Christians okay. believe in God who knows everything. He's okay. revealed it to us, and He does not lie. The Christian has a basis for claiming to know something for sure, whereas an atheist has to admit they could be wrong about everything. Hmm. Did we just disprove the worldview? No, no. Not trying to, we're just saying it's not going so well here. Exactly. <laughs> so we've got two other things. We're going to look at two quick scientific tests with these worldviews. Okay. First, we're going to look at the origin of the universe. Mm -hmm. These worldviews or starting points make predictions about things. Atheistic worldview says that everything came about through a Big Bang, 100% naturalistic event, mm -hmm. they say. Christian worldview, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. You've yep. heard that before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now we're just going to look very quickly at some evidence to see which side lines up best with. Okay. We have the first and second laws of thermodynamics, which are probably the best laws that science has today. The first law says you can't get something out of nothing, uh -huh. which kind of goes against a Big Bang initially coming from something and then you having this explosion, which we talked for you know, years and years on that. Uh, the second law basically says when you do have stuff left to its own, it goes downhill over time, gets mm -hmm. worse and worse. That would be antithetical to a Big Bang scenario or an atheistic scenario. could flesh that out a lot more, but we're going to keep moving here. The whole fine-tuning argument, the anthropic principle that it seems like the universe is finely tuned mm -hmm. for life to be possible. There are hundreds of factors. One of my other talks, I go into those in detail. just going to steal from that temporarily here. Okay. Really, uh, just two factors out of hundreds we could look at. Yeah. Could these things have happened by accident if there's no God, no designer? Gravitational constant and the cosmological constant. Now, very quickly, the cosmological constant has to do with the assumption that there really was a Big Bang. You and I don't think that actually occurred. <laughs> right. All I'm showing here is even if it did happen, this argument still holds very valid. Sure. What are the chances just these two factors in physics turn out by accident? Out of thousands. Let's just pick two and these see two. what the chances of these are. Scientists have calculated that. The chances are one chance in 100 million, trillion, 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 <laughs> trillion, trillion, trillion. <laughs> if people haven't studied math and science yet much, that's a big number. It is, yes. Really, really big. Yeah. So this just kind of screams it's not an accident. Sir Frederick Hoyle, who gave us the phrase the Big Bang, although he's mm -hmm. been sarcastic, mm -hmm. um, he said this, a common sense interpretation of the facts suggests that a super intellect has monkeyed with physics as well as with chemistry and biology and that there are no blind forces worth speaking about in nature. Okay. Here's a guy who was an atheist most of his life saying, okay, it's not an accident, there's got to be a God. Yeah. So that fits in very well with the creation Christian worldview, but against the atheistic worldview. It does. Very quickly, one other scientific test here, the origin of information. Okay. Two predictions again, atheistic prediction, random actions of particles smashing together in nature produces all the information in living things that we see. Mm -hmm. Christian worldview says that in the beginning was the word. In the book of John, their Greek, their logos means word. God mm -hmm. spoke things into existence. Mm -hmm. Let's take a look at the evidence here. Okay. A newspaper can hold a fair amount of, of information sure. using paper and ink. Books, paper and ink again, can hold even more information. A, a single CD can hold about... 300 or 150,000 pages of text on it. Wow. A lot of information in a single CD. Then we have computer hard drives can hold even more information using metal and plastic. Mm -hmm. In each of these cases, the physical materials do a great job of storing information. Sure. But in none of the cases did the physical materials create the information. Okay. Paper, the ink didn't write the articles or you know the books, the author did. Uh -huh. Metal and plastic didn't write Microsoft Office. <laughs> right. Software engineer did. And then they're just using the materials to store the information. Okay. Then we look at DNA. Okay. DNA is even more complex, made out of physical stuff, mm -hmm. holds even more information. So very, very briefly here, we'll mm -hmm. take a look at DNA and its storage capacity. Look at the volume of DNA first. You know, we've got 80 to 100, maybe trillion cells in our body, and each in the nucleus has strands of DNA except for red blood cells. 
how much volume, if you go into a single cell, just one cell and pull out the strand, it's about six feet long, it's very, very, very thin, and yeah. it's got a lot of information on it. In fact, the volume is 0 .0000, 1703 cubic meters from a single strand of DNA in just one cell. Yet all the information to make our entire bodies is on every wow. strand of those DNA okay. in each cell. So it's uh, like this tiny, tiny, tiny computer storing the information. With a lot of information. In fact, the book that I wrote contains about 300 pages. You can fit over 5,000 copies of my book on a single strand of DNA. Whoa. The storage capacity is just amazing. Yeah. One other analogy here, looking at its storage capacity, if we look at just a pinhead amount of DNA, how much information could you put? Just a pinhead amount of DNA. Mm -hmm. Again, single CD can hold you know, 100,000 pages of text on it. Yeah. Then we have thumb drives. Uh -huh. Two gig thumb drive can hold three entire CDs. CDs. That's 300,000 pages of text in a little thumb drive. Uh -huh. Now we have portable hard drives. A two terabyte hard drive can uh -huh. hold 1,000 thumb drives. Uh -huh. It's amazing. You know, it's about the size of my Bible here. Right. Let's compare that to just pinhead amount of DNA. Okay. You could store two million hard drives in a pinhead amount of DNA. Wow. Uh, secular school systems and universities say, it's just an accident. That's just what nature does. It took years and years of complex research, uh, teams of people to develop the thumb drive. Yes. And then late to develop the CD, then the thumb drive. And then years later down the road, okay, we can compact more information into a tiny area and, and we can actually, in a book-sized object, contain two terabytes of information. So we're getting more, we're getting better, we're getting better, but it's taking us years of complex study and thinking about these things just to create these storage devices. Yeah. All along the way, intelligence was being put into the process to produce these things, which is the whole point. It fits in with the Christian worldview in the beginning. God, an intelligent being, spoke these things into existence versus particle smashing together. We've never seen anything in the laboratory get particles, particles smashing together mm -hmm. to produce complex things like this, let alone a lot of information. Wow. So the logical conclusion is that the Christian worldview holds up. Yes. And so what we've done with this is we didn't set out to disprove anyone's worldview. It's really about someone's starting point. If their starting point is off, their conclusions are going to be wrong. So we just took them out for test drives okay. and find out that the Christian worldview is the only thing that works consistently. In fact, what I tell people, they're welcome to have any worldview they want, but if they don't start out with a Christian worldview that God exists in the Bible is the Word, mm -hmm. they're going to have a very, very hard time explaining anything, including laws of logic, the existence yeah. of logic. I mean, we can talk about it, but the laws of science. Uh -huh. What came into existence first, matter and energy? are the laws that guide it. Uh -huh. If it's matter and energy, they're like, man, we'd love to do a lot of stuff, but there's no one to tell us what we can and can't <laughs> do. If it was the laws of science, we're like, we got all these great ideas, but there's nothing to work with here. Right. So the Christian one worldview is the only one that really logically can explain things in the real world around us. So people are welcome to choose whatever they want to believe, but if they don't start out with the Christian worldview, you're going to have all sorts of problems. That's incredible. Jay, that it really is wonderful information that we can all use. And you developed a DVD called Faith is Not a Four-Letter Word. You give an in-depth presentation on what we've seen today. And um, I, I mean, again, this is something that everybody can take away from and ponder over these things. And it really is all about where we start. Right. There are presuppositions. Everyone starts somewhere. And, and to me, I tell you what, the Bible is stood the test of time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. Great to be here. We'll have to have you. you back on a Thanks. future episode. The Bible is the ultimate authority, and although scientists have attempted to understand the origin of life from a naturalistic perspective, Scripture is clear. 
In the beginning, God created. Now, I have faith in that, but even the invisible things around us are proclaiming the Creator's glory. Even the DNA that makes up each one of us is pointing to our designer. Now, you're made in the image of God and not the result of billions of mutations and accidents. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, but on top of that, God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to pay for your sins at Calvary, offering us the gift of eternal life with Him. Now, we hope that you've been encouraged and educated today, and we want to give you the tools that you need to boldly go forward and share what you've learned. Leave us questions and comments on our Facebook page and give us a call to learn more. I'm David Reeves, and until next time, keep looking up. Truly, the heavens declare the glory of God.